the only person who can help these poor, ugly, stupid losers is this choir teacher with a fetish for hair oil and sweater vests. Hello, and welcome to the Sing Stations podcast. My name is Olive, and this is the first episode of the Sing Stations podcast that will be submitted to an institution of higher learning as a final project my senior year of college. Woo! Hopefully the only po- episode Hopefully. that will be submitted. Hi, I'm Eliza, and I thought that I had a good joke for my intro, and then I tried to tell it, and it flopped. It's a good thing I can edit it out. <laughs> Just that. No context. Wait, shit, you mean this isn't live? It's live right now. The show's gotta go all over the place or something like that. Let's go. It's like, hi, I'm Eliza, and just like Rachel Berry, I choked. <laughs> uh, hi, Local I'm Local Twink About Town is back on our podcast. <laughs> and that That's very, that's generous. I used to be a twink. I'm more of a twas now. But um, hi, I'm John. And after years of purchasing every episode of glee on itunes after it came out this was the last episode i ever purchased and i think that's pretty telling for how this is gonna go did you purchase the graduation episode that's the actual finale i don't think i did i think i lot i watched it live because that's something i was gonna kind of open this episode with this episode very much feels like a finale of the show and it's weird that there's also a graduation episode right afterwards well, yeah. we wouldn't want to waste time on stupid things like graduation when we could be focusing on what's really important to this TV show, which is Rachel Berry getting praised. I was going to say what's really important to this TV show, which is the Glee cover of Paradise by the Dashboard Light. So true. Just so you guys know as well, it's my entertainment journalism class and uh, that I'm submitting this to as a final project uh, because apparently we are all entertainment journalists by making Hell a podcast. yeah, we are that is journaling on a thing in the entertainment industry, even though it's kind of an old thing. Speaking of old news, uh, let's just do a quick recap of last episode. It was this weird, like, Tina, not Tina-centric. And something important to note is that they have already shipped off to nationals in Chicago. They are followed by every teacher who's relevant in their life, Will, Emma, Sue, and Coach Beast. Remind me why Sue's here. Genuinely, I forgot. It's because Coach Roz Washington is currently coaching the Cheerios instead of her. Right. Because blah, 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 some financial garbage where, like, Figgins thinks that Sue can't take care of the Cheerios. And so she has to prove that she can, like, coach a winning team again. Things are looking bad at the start of this episode, though, because we open up finding out that Mercedes is coming down with food poisoning. Because she ate a bad burrito and her powerhouse voice simply can't perform the way it normally does. Which off the bat um, puts me into a mindset of like, this is why we should respect Mercedes more. The mindset I'm always in, truly. Of course. But I have I... to ask, I know she's I know she's kind of one of the leaders of the treble tones and they're going to do Edge of Glory. But like, she has maybe like one or two solo lines in the song. It doesn't seem like she was doing a lot. So why are they like, oh my God, we're going to lose if she can't perform? That's the other thing about this. It's like, oh my God, we're going to lose if Mercedes can't perform. And it's like, where was this energy any other time that Mercedes wanted a solo? And also the thing that like 
blast from the past in me, like straight in the face, was the name drop of the H1N1 virus. Crazy. Yeah, Sue says that she either has that she either has the H1N1 or uh Amazonian dengue fever. And frankly, and the, the, the phrase H1N1 was like getting backhanded by a fingerless glove made out of mustache patterned duct tape from Claire's. Isn't that more of like a journey's vibe? No, I I listen, young man. Yeah, it's getting hit in the face with a duct tape wallet that you learn how I to do bought, off of YouTube. I bought mustache patterned duct tape at Claire's. Who oh, among us didn't? Who among us? John, us apparently. The thing that does stand out to me is that this is three years after the peak of the swine flu epidemic. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is 2012, and if I recall correctly, it was the summer of 2K Swine, which yes. which is strange, but I do think that this particular exchange where Mercedes is sick and it creates more tension and, and heightens the stakes, but then like I don't want to jump ahead, but then she she does she does come back and she's fine because of Sue, but I feel as though it's kind of indicative of a larger problem that Glee has, which is not respecting the stakes that they create oh absolutely it's Mm -hmm. stakes built up in the first scene or two and then taken care of in maybe scene five or six Mm -hmm. and then completely new stakes introduced and then those ones are the ones taken care of by the end of the episode agreed and also yeah so sue immediately puts her on like a vitamin drip where they're just gonna flush her system hardcore and Mr. Shu kind of accuses her of like, oh, well, you only really care about these kids because you care about getting the Cheerios back. Um, but she says, no, I'm here to win because I care about winning competitions, no matter what the competition is. That um, I actually believe. I would 100% full chest believe that Sue Sylvester is all in on winning show choir nationals because it's winning. Yeah, I mean, she did also coach another show choir in season two. She coached, I think, Oral Intensity for a while, right? I I will say, though, that this particular exchange, I think, is the most, it's my favorite, and I think most self-aware line in the entire episode, where she is saying, she's firing back at will about how he's accusing her of this, and she describes his dialogue as expository, which is incredibly Dan Harmon and also incredibly accurate. Yeah. He's absolutely right. This is just exposition. Something that is, yeah, speaking of exposition, we should also note that because Mercedes is out down for the count, they're putting Quinn and Tina into the trouble tones. So it's going to be like basically all the Glee Club girls except for Rachel. Because fuck Rachel. Because she can't have another goddamn solo. I mean, it would have been nice after the last episode to give Tina yeah. a solo. Yeah, I give mean, her like... something. We cut from there to, uh, like, I guess after all of the hubbub has kind of died down, Will has a little conversation with Emma outside in the hallway where he's, like, kind of downtrodden, where, like, school's almost over and, like, things are looking really bad without Mercedes. Like, what are what's going to happen if we don't win? Um, you know, that's everything these kids have worked for. What's going to happen if we don't win? And she's Same like, thing that happened last year. Well, nothing. <laughs> yeah. He says school's almost over forever for most of them. And it's like, first of all, some of them are going to college. Second of all, like 
a lot of them will have a chance at nationals again because they're not graduating this year. But it's about Rachel Berry. Ultimately, it's, that is what this is about. Yeah, this is Rachel's last chance to have an epic high school performance. Um, because and then, that's what this whole show is about, is just Rachel Berry's ego. And then as Emma is kind of comforting him, Coach Beast comes up, and apparently a huge fight has broken out in one of the rooms that they're using for rehearsals at the hotel, um, where Sam has gotten into almost a full-out brawl with Puck, because Puck is trying to study for his geography exam that he needs to graduate high school while they're also trying to learn the dance. And I have to say, isn't Sam the same character who was, like, trying to help Puck graduate, like, three episodes ago? Yes, but that would require the TV show Glee to have internal consistency RE character arcs, which we know they are not going to do. Um, My main issue with this is, in fact, not the 180 that Sam's done, and is, in fact, why are you learning the dance now? The chronic glee problem of you should have been doing this for months. Is it is it okay if I, I pop back a second in the episode? Because I actually wrote a whole paragraph about the system. Yes, please. Oh my fucking God, Emma go ahead. I really did. So coming from Will, these kids never get to win is kind of weird because you have to win repeatedly to get to nationals. I agree. Yes. And it also... This entire conversation where they are so romanticizing and hyping up the experience of high school, when like high school is arguably for many people some of the worst years of their lives, like the idea that this is it and everything is going to end after high school for some of these kids is, if not condescending, then like a little dishonest. Like it's so disrespectful as a teacher for Will to be saying that. Exactly. And it's like, it's also, I feel like Will has this kind of savior complex. I really worry about these children, but not in the way that Will is sure their lives will be terrible. Yeah. My thing is like, okay, I actually had, and I feel like I may have talked about this on the podcast before. I had a lot of issues growing up thinking like, okay, you are supposed to have the best years of your life in high school and then you go to college and you graduate and then you just have to get your stupid little nine to five job and there's no joy in anything ever for the rest of your life and then you die Mm -hmm. um which didn't make the spicy depression better and i think that doing that on a tv show that it is not dishonest i feel to say is targeted at children i do not think that glee is targeted at high school students (laughs) i feel like most high if you're supposed to be like a high school senior that's supposed to be like the age of rachel berry i very much doubt they were watching this john was pointing at himself and i have to just say well john you were also a loser so you're like john to be fair everything has gone downhill for you (laughs) i was just gonna say building off of the like the discouraging words of Will. Yes, I agree that like they actually have won a lot and actually like being here in general is winning. So can you like be supportive for two seconds? So as he comes in to like break up this fight with all the guys, which first of all, I think it's perfectly normal to bring homework to rehearsals sometimes. Yep. Like I know we were homeschooled. So like everything we did was homework, but like, if he already knows the dance, he can take a 15-minute break to study for 
the quiz that literally will determine if he graduates high school or not. Like, that's important. And it's super weird that now Sam is fully in a fist fight with him over it. One of my final papers my first semester at my university, I literally wrote it sitting backstage in my absolutely ridiculous costume when I was in Comedy of Errors. So, like, Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. Actually, no, because I don't want to give Puck that right. Yeah, Puck Puck is not Girl Boss. You know what is Girl Boss? The fact that Kurt also breaks up the fight by telling everyone that Unique is being given the key to the city by Rahm Emanuel. Also throwback from from 20. 12 or 13 or whenever this was aired 2012 this is truly so almost insulting for me as a trans person to be watching too because i was not i was only 12 when this was airing but i'm sure many out trans people in 2012 can say that they were not being fucking handed keys to the city for being trans they were uh getting beaten in the streets like they still are and I'm sorry that if that's a violent thing to say, but I found it almost laughable that they're saying like, oh, Unique is just being praised left and right for existing. When yeah, that people, is- in, in, in 2012, people were not walking up to trans people and going, you're so brave. Yeah, people were walking up was to- like peak target bathroom discourse. Like, let's be real. In 2012, we had only just started season four of RuPaul's Drag Race. The Sharon Needles season. I think it's fascinating and it speaks to that like writers rooms need diversity thing that we keep harping on. They get all of the portrayals of homophobia like so spot on because Ryan Murphy is a gay man. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as we get to like non-binary people, trans people, it's just like. He said Martha Johnson who? Yeah. I've uh, never heard of Miss Major. Who's that? A drumline? <laughs> <laughs> also, in the midst of the whole argument that's going on, uh, Brittany also says that she dropped her pillow and her blanket out of the window into the pool. Which is the only real actual disaster in that entire room, I think. I mean, you might remember that last time they were here at Nationals, they destroyed all of the pillows in the room in a pillow fight. Um, and so Will obviously uh, calms everyone down. And uh, tries to kind of heighten up everyone's spirits because it's like, hey, we cannot be fighting when, this, you know, we've worked so hard to get here. Uh, and I think actually Santana ends up like giving everyone a uh, talk to and is like, uh, if you're not giving this everything you got, I will go all Lima Heights on your asses, which is a whole like so much to say about Santana just being like the spicy Latina who gets into fights whenever she says the lima heights thing i'm like does ryan murphy just know like one city in new york and then she apologizes and will basically says yes use your racially motivated rage that's good yeah he's like that's passion will schuster me too. <laughs> this yeah. is the I hate Will Schuster podcast. Sue Sylvester covering Madonna voice, Will Schuster, I hate you. I would have to look up like the actual like release dates of things to know if it would have lined up. But I because the cup song from Pitch Perfect came out in 2012 also, I, I feel like there is an alternate universe where 
this is the scene where it's just like, no, we're all fighting. Everything's a mess. We need to get back to our roots. And then fucking Rachel. It wouldn't be Rachel because Rachel is too high strung. But like Tina, they would have Tina do it. They would. Breaks out and does the cup song. And we all have to sit through that. Oh, I, I thought you were going to would have ate. Can I say, I thought you were going to reference a different Pitch Perfect thing, and I thought you were going to say that Rachel would projectile vomit everywhere. That that was another I episode. mean, that also not out episode. of character. For for reference, September 28th, 2012, Pitch Perfect was released in theaters. Did you just know that off the top of your head? <laughs> I think that he Googled it, but also I wouldn't put it past him to just know it. Apparently that's also like the day before the competition. And uh, we cut from there, like, just to the the theater where everything's being performed at. And Jesse has met up with Rachel outside of the theater. I just wanted to point out, he's wearing, like, a white, gray, and purple little handkerchief in his pocket. And I thought it was an ace flag, uh, like, pin. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Jesse said James can confirmed asexual. Kind of late game, but I appreciate it. <laughs> It does make sense when he and Rachel kiss and he says, quote, I have some notes. If I think too long and hard about the Leah Michelle, Jonathan Groff, like friendship and the things that we know about that now, I like want to eat my own eyeballs. So um, she and Jesse are having this com- conversation because he's also the coach of Vocal Adrenaline now, as we know. Yeah, I, I you know that meme that's just like, I've had enough of this dude. I've had enough of this fucking guy. He seems to om- almost like try to intimidate her a little bit too. And is like, wow, I hope you don't choke up there like you did for your audition. Because somehow he's heard about her choking at her audition too. Um, and also the stakes are higher for him because Vocal Adrenaline apparently lost Nationals last year after winning for eight years straight. Slay. And so if they lose again this year, then they will like completely lose their power in the show choir industry. Um, As they should. We should redistribute the show choir wealth. You're right. He, um, she does ask him how, she, how he knows about her choking. Mm-hmm. This was 2012. I would bet $300 that Rachel Berry was very active on Facebook and she would have, like, it would have been radio silence after oh. that audition. Like, you we, know she would have been talking about it. We know for a fact that she was active on MySpace, at least during the first season. And yeah. staying on MySpace long after it stopped being cool does feel like a character trait that I want to give to Rachel Berry. It coheres. Yeah. Um, and then I think towards the end of this conversation, like, Finn comes up to get Rachel for their performances and like he and Jesse have a little moment of parting because, you know, Jesse's accepted that Rachel is with someone else now. Obviously she's getting married uh, to Finn. So they do a whole like dick measuring contest and are like, Mm -hmm. okay, respect each other and never going to talk to you again. It's a weird amount of Brokeback Mountain-esque sexual tension. Yeah. Like they make a lot of eye contact. They really do. It's... They're like, so you're getting married, huh? Long pause. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of giving the Quinn Rachel conversation at prom. Honestly, it is. It's giving like, oh, you're getting married. And I'm sad about that. Not because I'm in love with Rachel, but for other reasons. Yeah. 
before they go on as well, um, Finn gifts Rachel a, a really ugly New York mug that is glass. And he says they can smash the glass for the Jewish part of the wedding. It's not just any mug. It is a German beer stein. Great. Perfect for a Jewish wedding. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's offensive or not. Yeah. Um, and it's she... glee, so I will not be giving them the benefit of the doubt and say that, yes, it is offensive. Yeah. <laughs> she also says she doesn't, like, it's kind of a sweet gesture because he's like, you care about New York so much. So, like, it's just like a cheap New York souvenir mug. But, like, it's kind of cute that they'll have it at the wedding. Oh, it's also, a Chicago it... souvenir mug, isn't it? Oh, wait, Chicago. They're... God, I keep forgetting they're in Chicago. But I guess it's, I guess he wants Chicago there because this is like the most important performance of their life. And so he wants a piece of Chicago at their wedding. And we find out that he also bet all of their honeymoon money, which is $500 that I guess he saved up from like whatever part-time job he has. Uh, He has bet it with the hockey guys at school that they will come in first place at nationals as well. Uh, and she's like, oh my God, why did you do that? And he's like, well, I'm going to make it a thousand dollars and we'll be able to spend two nights at Niagara Falls. Can you imagine if they had lost? <laughs> Hilarious. I also, I forgot to mention when it happened, Jesse says that during the Bohemian Rhapsody performance, he lost 10 pounds. That fat phobic dick. With, I, I feel like, Jesse St. James and Sue Sylvester are both great examples of the fact that the Glee writers just kind of do Mad Lib style with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where they're just like ridiculous, ridiculous reference, old movie reference, and then lie, and then fat phobia. Allu- fat phobia, allusion to Sue's Forrest Gump esque past, and then racism. <laughs> It's how we and do. And actually, they 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 get they have one more option. Sometimes they've got to like throw right in the center of the dartboard, which is being correct but mean about Will Schuster. Correct yeah, insulting mean. a cast member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> um, it also should be noted that uh, New Directions is the first team that's performing, which they've said a couple times so far is like the death slot, and they're really sad that they're going first. Doesn't matter so much. Will brings everyone in for like a pep talk and then speaking of having absolutely no stakes for this episode mercedes is all better now uh so they all i do like how they give finn a moment to make a little speech i do love that for finn he really told mr shu to just shut the hell up and then he did yeah um for finn that's what we need Well, I mean, there is something to say about, like, Finn later becoming, like, a teacher figure and kind of continuing Will's legacy. It's just that then Corey Monteith obviously couldn't continue on the show for death reasons. They call Mercedes Wheezy, too, which is, uh, I want to punch whoever wrote that line. No, I, I just, like, I guess it's a Lil Wayne reference, which is very 2012. And so they all, like, do their normal, um, you know, cast together. Mercedes is, like... Oh, I will be performing, but Quinn and Tina are still going to perform with the treble tones because, like, I want it to be an all-girls number where, like, we really work together. Well, um, also, fuck Rachel Berry. Yeah. And before they go on, uh, there's a little scene just just before the announcements where uh, everyone's super nervous and Rachel looks out to the audience and Carmen Thibodeau is not there. And... Uh, Can that I is say important. something about this, by the way? Yeah. 
I've been on stage. We've all been on stage. I've been on stage in a dark auditorium with the lights down and the lights, you know, on the stage. You can't see shit. I've heard it's different depending on the theater. Broadway actors often say that they can see people like recording in the audience and stuff. Okay. It is, it is strange, though, that they would know exactly where Carmen Thibodeau would be seated. Yeah, there's an empty seat where she would be seated. And that is weird. One line that stood out to me here with with this speech that Finn is that Finn gave mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over over Will was that they all said basically like to Will after you went to bed um we sat around and talked which and is not a scene that we get to see it's just something yeah, that really also said happened. tell don't show and the interesting thing about that is why would Will William Schuster be going to bed leaving a bunch of insane teenagers to their own devices. There was already a pregnant woman and she was in the room with the man who impregnated her. The same thing that happened when they were in New York. It's like, why are all these teens just unsupervised? Exactly. I, I just like, I saw that and I was like, Will, you have learned nothing and also, in case you needed a like another blast from the past in this episode, um, the judges for this competition are God. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan in her like comeback tour, Perez Hilton, and then also some third guy who's on the Democratic Party. But Perez Hilton was like insane for me to see. The fact that Glee got Lindsay Lohan and Perez Hilton to just be on this show. I know that we go on and on about the amount of insane guest stars that Glee has had, but mm-hmm. like this is I feel the most random. Like if it was maybe in like New York or LA, I would have been like, yeah, okay, Perez Hilton whatever, but like Chicago? Yeah, like why would they even be interested in this? I mean, they do kind of explain it later, but it's it's definitely whiplash to see for sure. From there, uh, there's like a little exchange where the unholy trinity of uh, Brittany, Santana, and Quinn like get together and hug before the show too. And then we open up with the treble tones, Edge of Glory, which absolutely slaps and is uh, one of the best numbers uh, that the New Directions has ever done. That the treble tones have ever done, to be clear. What I want to note, however- Well, the treble tones have also done I'm a Survivor and Survivor. Yeah, I mean, all of their numbers are great. Um, Something I would like to know is that, first of all, there are girls in this performance who we have not seen in any other scene involving the Glee Club before. They're just in this one musical number. So where did they come from? At one point, weren't they, like, in danger of not having enough members of their Glee Club in order to, like, be a club? That's season one problems, baby. We've moved on. Well, last <laughs> I episode, Cheerios. they must well, be right. Yeah, they must be Cheerios. Uh, last episode, they acted like it was the end of the world when Tina wanted to leave, and that was just one person. But mm-hmm. now there's like four other girls that we don't even know about. Who will with play the in the team. background? All these girls. That's yeah. Who. Also, the way this is choreographed, like we're supposed to believe that Mercedes was going to be out of the dance, and then Tina and Quinn were subbed in. The way this is choreographed it would only work with all three of them in like they are now. Like, thankfully we have all three of them now. Otherwise it would have had to be choreographed completely differently. If we only had one person instead of three people. 
the funny I mean, maybe th- they redid it on the fly i i don't know yeah the funny thing about it is that this could have been a great opportunity to like as we said give tina a solo that mercedes would have had and instead they take it away from her again yeah she gets like half a line in there she and quinn split a line mm-hmm. I, I mean i am grateful for any mercedes solo any time that they give you know amber riley on the show but it's also like can we can we please have like some equal footing between all of the talented ladies please i said no yeah especially because a lot of this is based off like well next year will be your year tina and then it isn't yeah she is just relegated to the background and to be clear again it is a great performance like they do a bang up fucking job i have no notes about it but or i mean i do have notes but that's like a continuity thing less of a performance quality thing i i will note with this song in particular like it is it is interesting that the only way to fully get rid of rachel in a new directions number is to remove her entirely from the equation you will never see her doing like background choreography regardless of the fact that she is presented in the first couple episodes as one of the best dancers because she's been doing it for years and yet she only ever walks back and down stage like that's really all she's doing oh she's a parking bark yeah yeah that's actually interesting to know it's like either she gets a solo a significant part of the song or she cannot be in the song at all there's no in between I am going to conspiracy theorize that it was in Leah Michelle's contract. I could see that. Yeah, it could be. Um, And then that performance, that song ends and we go from there to Top of Rachel's solo, which is It's All Coming Back to Me by Celine Dion, which, like, I'm sorry, but might be my favorite song of the episode. Like, it's just so fucking good. It's, It's this thing where, like, I hate Leah Michelle. She's a racist. We don't like her. She's rude to everyone. But goddamn, can she sing? And I'm sorry. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, what takes Paradise by the Dashboard Light over It's All Coming Back to Me Now for me is the fact that It's All Coming Back to Me Now is just like a good song. And Uh as long as you've got a solid set of pipes, like, yeah, it's going to sound good and fine. That that's sure going to be It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Whereas what Glee did with Paradise by the Dashboard Light I'll it's a, I'll stop because we're gonna get there. Yeah, it's it's a reinvention. I do I do see you. My whole thing is like, as someone who was at the time of this episode airing and still is, again, I'm sorry, but I I like Rachel Berry. I love her so much, and I think as a kid, I felt so connected with her. I was so entranced in following her story that the power of this performance and she's she's singing she's having this epic moment and then you see Carmen Thibodeau come in and it's this moment where like Rachel's like finally everything is going to work out in my life because normally everything doesn't work out for little old me (laughs) I I hate to be controversial yet brave but I I gotta say I I do kind of disagree on it's all coming back to me now. You you don't like it or you don't think it's as good as something else? I think it's fine. Okay. I think it is a from Leah Michelle, knowing her voice, knowing what she can do emotionally, 
if I if I am thinking about a big Rachel Berry song that brings the house down, I'm thinking my man. I'm thinking I was gonna say that too. branches. I'm thinking cry by yeah. like the Kelly Clarkson cover. I think that this one felt to me very safe. She performed it fine. Mm-hmm. It's predictable is my, yeah, is my agreement with you there. Is I'll, Like, yeah, we're going to have a big, you know, Rachel Berry belting ballad. Yeah. It's going to be Celine Dion. It was going to be this or it was going to be My Heart Will Go On. Let's be honest. Well, yeah. I, I, I think I grew up listening to the Celine Dion version of It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Like, not, not even the meatloaf version. Um, but... Like, I feel like that original performance, like the difference between these two is very much what people have a, can have a problem with when it comes to Glee covers, where it felt a little too perfect. That is fair. There's something to do. I mean, you'll, you know this as an audio engineer yourself, but there's something almost robotic about Glee covers sometimes where they're too pristine mm-hmm. and they're too smooth sounding see all of your points and I do agree I do think it is a safe choice for sure I think I just have such positive memories of this song the only real note that I have about it is the I think what would have improved it and taken it to that next level is if she had done the Jeremy Jordan key change in that 154 Mm. below performance where he like slams his hand and like tells the person no and like does a key change on that last verse like that's epic and if Leah Michelle had done that, I think it would have elevated this performance so much more. But obviously, you know, Jeremy Jordan can't can only... done it yet. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know what could be. It's um, I, I I'm sorry, I don't mean to be I, I I hope I wasn't just like crapping on your opinion. No, just, because I mean, it's really this... emotionally resonant. It is. And and also, of course, for plot reasons, it should be mentioned, Carmen Thibodeau does come in. So that is like essentially guaranteeing for us that like Rachel will be able to at least like change Carmen Thibodeau's mind about her or like get a second chance at getting into Niata, yada, yada. That song ends and we go into Paradise by the Dashboard Light, which is so fucking good. This And wildly inappropriate. (laughs) It can be both. This is clean (laughs) we're talking about here. Good, yeah, yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show. What are we talking about? I mean, I would rather, I would rather see this song from high schoolers than like push it. There are three covers. There are three Glee songs that I will just listen to. Mm-hmm. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I still believe slash Super Bass because I think that actually fucking slaps. It does. It does. Um, and then the young girl don't stand so close to be mashup. And then Teenage Dream, if I'm in my feels. But, like, that's... We said three. Not the thong song? <laughs> Absolutely not. I The <laughs> fact that I had blocked that out of my brain until you said that just now, I'm literally planning to be in New York the second weekend in March, and I will hunt you down. I deserve it. <laughs> just, like, everything about Paradise by the Dashboard Light. You've got the, the little... We get a little curtain blane. They get like a line or two together and their their melody, their the, the harmony is so good. We've got like Corey Monteith. His voice on God Only Knows What I Can Do Right Now is pristine. Genuinely, I think this C. is his best performance. He hits a high C. It's insane. Yeah. 
and and again like I mean, John, you might kind of relate to this, not so much Eliza, but like having watched this back when it aired too, and kind of knowing where he started with like first episode, uh, you're the one that I want, don't stop believing, and then seeing him perform now, like the growth. And that's yes. something we don't get from Rachel's performance, where like Rachel's always been a great performer, a great singer. But this he- growth from Finn is just like inspiring, I want to say. This, it is the most confident, Rachel, I, I've ever seen Leah Michelle's performance of, like, dancing, having fun with the song. I think that it meshes really well with her. However, I will say, as phenomenal as Corey Monteith was, were this real life, if we had our pick of our pick of the cast, this were a real competition, I do think that Blaine would have been the male lead. Well, yes, obviously. But Rachel and Finn are the couple, so they have to lead the song. Have you considered that every single thing in every piece of media has to be in service to the breeding pair, John? I mean, Kurt could hit the notes. Oh my god, alternate universe paradise by the dashboard light where the leads are Kurt and Blaine is just like, that's going to be my Roman Empire now. I mean, alternate universe glee where Kurt is the main character instead of Rachel. If only, if If genuine, if only, I... Animal. I want to say this was also if I can just share like a fun anecdote too. I was uh only 12 when this aired and like I didn't really get the joke of Paradise by the Dashboard Light until my mom explained it to me. So I do also have that positive memory of this. I'm genuinely shocked that your mom explained it to you. My mom was fun sometimes. They get a standing ovation and it's a whole like you know, they thought they were going to do really badly because they had the first slot and didn't want the first slot. But like now everyone's hyped for them. Uh, assumably there would be a commercial break there or some kind of break in the uh, in the performances. And we go to Kurt and Mercedes like bringing Unique flowers in the dressing room where uh, we can see that Unique is like not made up, just presenting as like uh, as boy, I guess. And is very much referring to Unique as like a separate person right now because uh, she is expressing that uh, she cannot conjure Unique. And like Unique is this other character where um, before she had ever performed as Unique, uh, nobody knew who she was and she could only uh, be herself uh, because there was no pressure. But now that there's all this pressure because of Jesse leading vocal adrenaline and also, you know, the whole getting a key to the city and uh, being like a lightning rod representation for all queerness, you know, that's a lot of pressure for like a 15 year old. He really said, I am Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> yeah. I am Laverne Cox. Yeah, Laverne Cox was the one that I was going to go with because that feels more relevant but we like Laverne Cox. <laughs> also you that. Said, I am Alex Newell. That's what it really is. Something I do think is realistic in this portrayal is like a lot of times I do think there is a standard for like trans or queer people in media where like if you're going to be out, you therefore have to like be a spokesperson for every queer person ever. And mm-hmm. like that is that is not only so much pressure for one person, but it's especially pressure for a high schooler. Unique is like a sophomore right now or maybe a junior, but like, yeah. It does occur to me how, it, it, two things in particular. One, 
which is that Jesse as the leader should understand how to like, I feel like he was the golden boy. And so he should understand how to treat a, a star within vocal adrenaline, but also the, I I feel as though one of, one of the reasons that like potential reasons that Glee could have not Glee, but new directions could have won in the real world is because they had more than one singer who like, could lead a solo whereas it's just unique there's only one person who is carrying that entire team and like they've made such a big stink over the fact that like oh rachel is a senior and like mercedes is a senior and so it's important that they get their time to shine unique is a sophomore and there's nobody else who's getting a single ounce of limelight outside of unique which i realize it's a tv show I will say, I think there is something different in how vocal adrenaline is run where they seem to just pick someone to be like a lightning rod for all of the group. And then everyone else is a backup singer because canonically, Jesse was the lead of vocal adrenaline for all four years of high school. So like freshman to senior. Yeah. And then it was Sunshine. Who was also like a freshman or a sophomore. And then she wanted to get deported. So left. Um, which, I mean, this discussion leads me properly into the next performances, which, uh, are, like you said, entirely led by Unique. We start off with Nicki Minaj's Starships, which is pretty good. Um, oh, also, I mean, Kurt and Mercedes do give Unique, like, a whole pep talk and are like, well, you can do it. We believe in you. Um, One of them says, like, you might not be able to handle it, but Unique can. Yeah, so, like, just put on a brave face. And- uh, I would say Starships is a pretty good performance. I don't have a lot of notes about it. Interesting to note, though, like with a lot of vocal adrenaline performances, it's like, why are there so many people here who are not singing yeah. in a Glee club? Personally, I think that Starships was kind of mid as far as like energy goes, just compared to Nicki Minaj's original. However, for Alex Newell in particular, I think that it shows a lot of versatility when it comes to being able to rap and be able to sing. That's what I was going to say. I think Starships is like a good entrance into the unique performance. And then Pinball Wizard is where she really hits her stride. Something I also want to note about the Starships performance, they changed the lyrics to um, higher than any other instead of higher than a motherfucker. And that is, <laughs> I think, one of the most noticeably bad lyric changes. I understand that they couldn't say motherfucker on the show. But higher than any other, they it's like they're drawing so much attention to the lyric change. I can I can I add a little audio engineering thing in here? Please. Yes. So um Leslie Brathwaite, who mixes for everybody, from Cardi B to Lil Uzi Vert, he mixed Happy by Pharrell. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that he was talking about in a masterclass that he did was when you are doing clean versions the objectively cooler thing to do is not to change the lyric. It's to acknowledge that the singer is saying the lyric. They just can't in this version. They just, Mm -hmm. they mean it, but they're not saying it. So like the objectively cooler thing to do is just omit the word, which I understand why they changed it in the same way that I understand why Kids Bop says wings and pizza for WAP. But it's like, Y'all are supposed to be a hit show. Can you just, like, read the room, please? 
And also they perform <laughs> Pinball Wizard by The Who, in case that wasn't clear, uh, which is also epic. I personally uh, am not a fan of The Who's Tommy, but I'm a fan of the song Pinball Wizard. It does highlight how weird and like not problematic, but like kind of risque the the music that they are choosing is. I mean, like look at Paradise by the Dashboard Light or... Mm. Or Pinball Wizard, which is about, like, the musical itself is about a kid who's, like, getting molested and is so traumatized that he just completely loses all his senses. Yeah, uh, my partner and I watched uh, Tommy on, like, our maybe fourth or fifth date together. And I want to say it was just, like, a good two and a half hours of us yelling at the television, confused about what was happening. That's You're describing Glee. Lee isn't two and a half hours long, though. Yeah, it's longer. <laughs> uh, so those are the two vocal adrenaline performances. It's still pretty good. However, I would say you can tell pretty thematically that, like, obviously the New Directions is going to win just for plot reasons. They have to at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. We cut to the judges room where uh, the the main guy who's like actually invested in the judging is this uh, Asian uh, like democratic running for office something his name's martin and he's like actually pretty invested in like show choirs he says he's a show choir junkie um and then perez and Lindsay, or Lindsay says she's pretty much just here for pr because she's doing her like uh comeback she's uh doing her redemption tour so that she can like rehabilitate her image and then perez is also blogging about her while she's in the room because as Perez Hilton was wont to do, it, also in case there's anyone like younger than us watching this, Perez Hilton was a like Dumois before Dumois, if you will. I have never felt older than when you said that sentence. Yeah, he was he was like the OG paparazzi, like stalking everyone, getting pictures that no one else had. And so he's blogging about Lindsay as she's in the room too. We do see a clip. Apparently there was another group called the Scale Blazers that did a Starlight Express medley all on roller skates. Three entire groups in this entire competition. Yeah, it seems a lot smaller than Nationals was last time where there were like maybe 50 to 100 groups and then they did, you know, top 20 and then the top 20 would perform again. Now it's like just New Directions, Vocal Adrenaline and then this third other thing. They do say we have to narrow it down to three, but they only mention those three. Yeah. And I, the other thing about it is that while I do, I appreciate the fact that he is saying that he cares more about show choir than he does about having like a wife and children, which he does say, at least Lindsay Lohan has multiple incredible albums. Under, incredible under albums. Belt. Truly. Like... Adele who? It is bananas to me that Perez Hilton is here. Like, do you think that he's here exclusively because Lindsay Lohan is here? Like, It, it must be. Because also, at least they give a reason. Like, okay, the the re- de- Democrat guy is here because he just loves show choir. Lindsay is here because she's doing PR. And Perez is there because he's stalking Lindsay. Like, I mean, I guess that makes more sense than him just deciding to judge a show choir competition. Competition. Yeah. Um, 
And so they start discussing like who should be in the top three. And they're like, oh, the new directions were good, but they did bad last year. So should we put them in the top three? And like, why would that matter? How they why would that matter? Year? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, but Unique did really great. And like Unique was really the star of Vocal Adrenaline. And I think it's Martin who says he's like Tina and Ike Turner together, which I do not like. I do not like that they said that for many reasons. Um, and then also Lindsay finds out that the show choir competition isn't televised. So she's like, well, fuck, why am I even here? And Perez is like, can I use that as an exclusive? And she goes, absolutely not. She says, I thought I was signing up for one of those shows where you sit in a chair and you push a red button and you turn around and go, I want to work with you, like the on the voice or or got talent or whatever. So it is funny. Oh, and they also mentioned the Duggars in this scene, which again, like blast from the fucking past, you know? The like 19 kids and counting family. They may as well have like mentioned the Mayan New Year calendar. Like they said, <laughs> we're gonna make this. 2012. Yeah. And then we uh, get to the final announcements. The top three teams are the three teams that we know about. <laughs> Wait, we have a little scene here with Carmen Thibodeau and Jesse St. James. Oh, right. I forgot where, where Jesse confronts Miss Thibodeau and we find out apparently he had auditioned for Niata with Giants in the Sky from Into the Woods, which she says is Sondheim's most challenging work. It's not. It is not. Look, look me in the eye. Look, look, whatever her name is, who originally performed I'm Not Getting Married Today. Look Emma in the eyes and say that I'm Not Getting Married Today is less difficult than Giants in the Sky. Giants in the Sky is literally for a character that is a child. And an idiot. It's not even the hardest song in Into the Woods. I guess I could understand if she means like Into the Woods is one of his hardest pieces, which again, it's not, but I would at least understand that a little bit more. But Giants in the Sky is not even, it's probably the easiest song in Into the Woods to sing. Because here's the thing. This is one of those times where I was just like, Glee is for people who want to be theater people, but aren't. It's it's just saying things that sound theatery, but then when you're an actual theater person watching this, you're like, that's wrong. If he had done Highway to Hell, it would have been yeah. over. That was another thing, too. She says that he ran into problems with his breath work. And I'm like, you're noticing his breath work, but not the fact that Jonathan Groff is just like wholly not the type to sing jo- Giants in the Sky. Jonathan Groff would never play Jack in a production of Into the Woods. He would play m- many other male characters in that show, but not Jack. The Prince. Like, easy, immediate cast. Like the Prince! Yeah, if he sang Agony for his audition, I'm sure Jesse that would have gone Jesse St. James fine. is completely the type of guy where he would have figured out how to perform Agony by himself. Uh, he says that Rachel's the most talented person I've ever met, bar none. If anyone's going to be a star someday, it's her. She'll make an excellent contribution to Niata. Again, if she has all of this star power, and it's it's also like insane to be going over this knowing that next season they literally do just do this, where it's just like, no, she's just on Broadway now, don't worry about it. It's so that they can guest star Kate Hudson next season. That's exactly why. That's literally the only reason why. Yeah, I'm sure they already had Kate Hudson on contract by this point. In the next season, do they show her getting rejected from auditions? Because that would have been, like, if we want to talk real New York theater audition scene, like, that would have been the perfect answer to Rachel Berry's character. 
as far as I'm aware, they do not. She does not get her comeuppance until she goes to LA on that TV gig. I I, I will move on. It's so they announced that uh, second place is uh, Vocal Adrenaline, and first place is obviously New Directions because again, like plot reasons, you saw it coming. There was no suspense here. And as they, they weren't going to do, they lose nationals two years in a row. Yeah. I think as they're accepting their award, um, we start the cover of Group Love's Tongue Tied, which is pretty good. Um, I think it's led by Finn, if I'm not mistaken. And they're like walking back into the school. Uh, they've got this absolutely massive trophy. There's a big congratulations, New Direction sign. And like everyone from the school is there. Well, because now they won. But, like, but the sign also collapses and hits Rachel in the face, which I think karma may be the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I I guess I understand the school caring about them a little bit more, but it's like every single goddamn person in the school is there. They're like lining the halls. There, this didn't happen for the football team. Whenever the football team won something, there's two girls that start accosting Rory in the hallway too. They like push him up against the lockers and start kissing him, and I'm like, that's not cool. Yeah. This whole show is a joke. Oh, also Ooh. their front page of the newspaper. Emma has In a newspaper. In fairness, it's Lima, Ohio. Yeah, okay, I guess not a lot goes on. I really love this cover of Tongue Tied, but I was thinking to myself, I don't know if it's one of those things where the song is just it is it is the perfect montage song for graduating high school. I think the timing of them, so they are walking through the hallway with the trophy. Um, Rachel, like, signs someone's yearbook, and it's this whole, like, oh my god, it's her first, like, giving an autograph as a celebrity, because she's basically a celebrity now that they've won uh, nationals. Also, everyone is throwing slushies in their face, but instead of slushies, it's confetti. Big whole deal. And then they go and they put the trophy in the case in the Glee Club room. And it's like the first trophy that the Glee Club's ever won. How did Uh, they get that tiny participation trophy first or second season? They they got a trophy for all of their other victories at regionals and sectionals. Yeah. I mean, as stated earlier, the Glee Club has for sure won other things. Um, also, we see uh, Sue accepting all of the money that they won. I think it's like $10,000 for winning. So that's how she buys back the Cheerios. So she's also completed her whole goal. And there's a little scene where Figgins has Rachel and Finn into his office. And he kind of like hint, hint about giving them something important that they uh, need to take care of before the big event tomorrow. And he says, although I don't condone youngsters getting married, and I wish that everyone would wait until they were at least 29 years old with solid employment and a 401k retirement plan, here's something for your wedding celebration. It is a McKinley High bumper sticker, one each, as well as little mini pom-poms. And a $5 bill. And a $5 bill. One singular $5 bill on top of the $1,000 that Finn also just got from his betting with the hockey team. And then Spiggins is like, can you keep a secret? And now we get to a scene that I think is going to take me at least a week to process where uh, before the big like 
event that's happening at the school which I guess is not graduation but it's just like some big end of the year thing in the auditorium Will and Emma are like get it like straightening their ties in the classroom or whatever and we find out that she like finally had sex with him the night before there was there was this whole part of tongue tied where he comes home she has a pamphlet when it's time for intercourse and then he comes home she's in the silk negligee and i realized will schuster is the only straight man in the entire world who would be rewarded with sex for winning a national show choir championship it truly is a reward it is like i am giving you my physical virginity because you won a glee club competition I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't want to think about Will Schuster having sex. And I, she, she, in this scene in the classroom too, which why are they talking about this in the classroom? Um, She does say like, oh, it wasn't just because of the winning, like, but also winners deserve, you know, prizes for the things that they win. And like, that's just so weird and strange. And it's like, you guys were already a good couple before this. Why was this necessary? It also, I feel, really reduces Emma's whole thing about OCD. Like, her whole plight with that. And, like, at that next day, she's like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. I don't know why I was worried about it. And it's like, this was a big plot point for you as a character. It's a huge plot point that Emma is, like, basically asexual, like, does not want to have sex, is, like, severely triggered in her OCD when uh, having, like, messy, sweaty activities. But then because Will won nationals, not even he won nationals. He just like coached the team a little bit to nationals, but really Sue did most of that. So apparently the big event that's that's that day is uh, not graduation, but is actually just the announcement of teacher of the year, which lo and behold goes to Will Schuster. Shock. Never, never heard about this award one yeah. time. In, we in very briefly history. heard about it because Finn brought it up during his little speech, but. But I mean, yeah. like in the tenure of Glee, it is just this episode. Yeah. Yep. Just this episode. And then also they do this scene that's like very reminiscent of season one when they lose and they do uh, To Sir With Love. And they're like, at the beginning of this year, I was such and such. And now I'm such and such all because of you, Mr. Shu. And it's almost the exact same thing where Finn's like, oh, I used to be the quarterback who was dating the head cheerleader and now I've like grown into a man because of your guidance. And Rachel says, when I first met you, I was just an annoying Jewish girl with two gay dads and a very big dream. And I still and have I've two dads. I've only gotten worse. <laughs> She's only gotten worse. <laughs> I still have two dads. I'm still Jewish, just as annoying. But I stand before you headed to New York. Because also, she hasn't gotten her acceptance letter to Nuyata. So, like we've been saying, she can just fucking go to New York. She she basically said, I am the exact same as when I started. Yeah, and Will had almost no impact on her. And then they perform We Are the Champions by Queen, which I guess is like everyone's like high school I'm leaving song because we were just such champions our senior year of high school. And it's fine. I've never been a huge fan of this song. I like Queen, to be clear, but like this is just an overplayed song. I don't have strong feelings about it. 
I have Can strong I feelings about it because I associate it with the 2018 Washington Capitals Stanley Cup run, but that's because I'm mentally ill. You know what I associate it with? I associate it with the fact that they gave Mark Salling the line, I've done my sentence, but committed no crime. Holy fucking shit. I didn't realize that. Oh my God. My oh. brain hurts. Oh my it, God. Truly. It's like if they had Jared from Subway sing that. Oh my God. That's so bad. Yeah. Now that you've pointed that out, that's like the only thing I'm going to associate with this song as well. But yep. the thing I was going to say is just that it also feels like such an anticlimactic end to the episode because it's actually like a very slow song that like doesn't have a lot of action going on. Yeah. And they it's just like bring Will up to the stage and everyone claps. And again, it's like, okay. I would have welcomed a reprise of To Sir With Love. I guess I understand them wanting to do a slow song that has more of like a sentimental purpose to it. But yeah, this is a little milk toast, especially since, I mean, the, the actual finale of the season, the graduation episode has this good riddance the finale. in it. Yeah, the actual finale has good riddance in it, which is a great graduation song. Best song of the episode. I, you know what? You guys made good cases. So I'm going to say best song is Paradise by the Dashboard Light as well. Yes, thank you for coming to see Reason. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I'm like, you know what it is? I think I cannot praise the Jeremy Jordan version of It's All Coming Back to Me now enough. And so like when I listen to the Rachel Berry version, I'm reminded of the Jeremy Jordan version. And like that has clouded my view. And I'm sorry. Yes, that's all right. I don't think there's a worst song this episode. They're all pretty good. If I had to pick one, it would probably be starships or we are the champions but none of them are bad i think um, if i'm going to go with song that i like the best it's gonna have to be tongue-tied i i do acknowledge paradise by the ba dashboard light as a nationals performance it's on par with bohemian rhapsody yeah, like yes. something huge bombastic great but like i i just but like it's just because i like tongue-tied like that's that's really the only reason there's something about just like the no holds barred joy of it all yeah i'm can i can i share something that is probably going to yet again be controversial yet brave Please. i think that the best songs in glee are the ones where they're they are not moving they're not moving the plot along they are just seeing them because it's fun and i i stand by that with gives you hell I stand by that with forget uh, you. ride with me, forget you. Like, I think, I think that is really where Glee shines, where it's not trying to be anything. It's just doing great songs because they're great songs. I think there's, there's something to be said about like Glee works because entirely, I mean, obviously the writing's great. Um, everything's really clever. And it was definitely like a show that was needed. Uh, representation wise at the time but one of the things that makes glee work so well is the chemistry of all the actors although we know that leah michelle was like an absolute nuisance on set for at least a good portion of seasons one through maybe like mid season three like the cast was friends with each other and when you can tell that they were enjoying each other's time on set that's some of the highlights of the show for sure 
like some of some of my favorite numbers have been ones where cast members contributed like Chris Colfer for example envisioned the entire it's almost as if we never said goodbye which is yeah. I think perfect for that moment but it's also I think part of the reason that I, I get kind of thrown within Glee episodes, like, for example, with the Lima Heights recurring Santana joke, is mm-hmm. that it feels as though they know they have a hit and they don't know what to change. So they keep bringing back old lines that were clever in the moment that may no longer be appropriate. I think there's also some, I think building off of what was said earlier about um, vocal adrenaline as a group, like just kind of picking a lead and just forming everyone else as backup dancers around that lead. It's one of the things that is discussed in season one in the episode Funk, where like they make a joke that vocal adrenaline is soulless automatons that are just like robots who get up and sing, whereas uh, New Directions like actually feels the music. And um, it's like case in point why Unique is such an amazing performer. Alex Newell is a great performer, but case in point why vocal adrenaline just can't win the way new directions does is because there is no love of the activity the messaging with glee does get kind of muddy when it comes to they the main theme the the through line with new directions with with unique saying maybe it's time i switch schools to come over to you guys like the entire point of their approach is being nice and being kind and being inclusive always wins at the end of the day, which not true. Like the Democrats were still saying when they go low, we go high. That turned out great. But like that is 2012. Anything was possible. Exactly. But like, that's the point they were trying to make. And I feel like that is not followed through when you look at the Cheerios, when you look at vocal adrenaline winning for like 12 years straight and being a dynasty mm-hmm. and like yes they can get their comeuppance but if the main theme is supposed to be kind of ted lasso e, then mm-hmm. they that is the downfall of glee is that they are not consistent yeah and well yeah. and if you could say that um that like what makes glee so special is like how everyone loves each other it's like well once we get into like season three season four season five it's like everyone really started to hate each other and something else i wanted to say this is kind of kind of just tangentially related but also leads me to the end of our episode the end of this season very much feels like the end of glee and i'm very confused why they kept going after this it's because it was a fucking cash cow but like yeah i think i've said this before what i would have done is stopped the show end of season three done this episode and the next one goodbye and then if they wanted to keep making money off of it they could have done a spin-off with rachel in new york mm-hmm. they should have just done made it its own separate thing so that glee could be preserved in three perfect seasons there there were like that is i i think that is why i do kind of mourn glee is that there were so many missed opportunities but I do also like to think of what I'm grateful for. For example, they stop. They did end up stopping Glee, which is like the evil has been defeated. But like they they didn't do Old Town Road. That's great. That's, That's good. For them. Uh, I never had to sit through them covering any song by BTS, which is good. 
I did have to sit through them doing Let It Go. Yeah, there was that. And they did do Gangnam Style. Fuck, they did. God, when they're like, we'll finally give Tina her time to shine. And then they force her to do Gangnam Style. Anyway, next episode is Goodbye, which is the very last episode of uh, season three. It is the graduation episode. It also gives us Roots Before Branches, which was, uh, which was like I think John mentioned earlier, one of Rachel's best. Yeah. I feel like one thing that I was missing from this episode and from Goodbye, actually, I, I haven't watched it in literally a decade, but I feel as though, did did Will get an, an a song next episode? Because like he could have, he could have so easily done anything super resonant like he could have done the long and winding road he could have done like forever young next episode yeah all right well god's dead (laughs) all right anyway god's dead (laughs) will schuster killed him yeah ryan murphy honestly um but it's ryan murphy held him down while will schuster killed him yeah Mm -hmm. brad falchuk watched That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingSationsPod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. Go listen to John's music on Spotify. If you aren't following John on Spotify, you're missing out. I'm so serious. <laughs> Video games to play lo-fi too. That's my favorite one on the album. Listen Thank to it you. so many times. I, people, when I submitted that to playlist, people hated that song. So I was scared of putting it on there. So I'm so glad you like it because I like that song too. That's great. Is am I coming back next season? You actually, I actually didn't tell you this, but after John is on for the fourth time, he just becomes uh, the new host. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it follows, where mm-hmm. like <laughs> once you are on the podcast, you now have a podcast. Welcome to the Hotel California. <laughs> you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. <laughs>